0: Hello and welcome to the OASBO podcast. My name is Callie Wells, Director of Marketing and Communication at OASBO. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. This week we'll learn about the interview process for school treasurer positions, but first a few reminders. For those ready to pursue their treasurer's license, the Essentials of School Business Bootcamp will take place this summer, July 11th through the 25th. With all six courses required in OASBO's ODE-approved treasurer's pathway offered back-to-back, including the brand new Essentials of Leadership course. You can attend all six courses or pick and choose what you would like to attend, even if it's just one. This is a great opportunity for those pursuing their licensure and for those who want to just brush up on a topic. You can register at learn.oasbo-ohio.org. Strong leadership skills are essential to the success of school business officials. Whether you're brand new to the profession or a 20-year veteran, continuing to build strong leadership skills is important. OASBO has two big leadership development opportunities for members to strengthen those skills. First is the Leadership Institute. The application deadline for the Institute has been extended to July 30th. Be sure to get your application in for this engaging and interactive three-month fully online leadership masterclass. Join us September 22nd and 23rd for our annual leadership conference to learn how your leadership is uniquely shaped and to learn powerful tools to lead others better. All OASBO members are invited and encouraged to register, but seats are limited, so be sure you register soon. The conference includes sessions with Dr. Melissa Crum, Jones Laughlin, Caitlin Hall, and Eagles Flight. You can register for both the Leadership Conference and to learn more about the Leadership Institute and download the application on our website, oasbo-ohio.org. Next up is an update from OASBO's executive director Jim Rowan.
1: Today's podcast I am going to talk specifically about the OASBO 457 plan. If you are participating in OASBO's 457 plan, it's very important that you listen to this podcast and take appropriate action. OASBO adopted and amended its plan back in April 1st of 2017. In addition, Setting every community up for Retirement Enhancement Act and the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act of 2020 also required an update to our plan. As a result, if you are participating in the OASBO plan, you need to restate your document to be in compliance with the IRS. On the OASBO website, under the Benchmarking Um, tab at the top, you can click on the 457 plan and you can download a specimen resolution to restate the Ohio Association of School Business Officials 457 Deferred Compensation Plan. Once that resolution has been approved by your board and you can sign off on the adoption agreement, you need to send those to me, jim at oasbo-ohio.org, so that I can file those with the appropriate 457 company, whether it's Equitable or Voya. We keep a copy of those plan documents on file here so that as you transition to various districts, we will have a copy in case you need one for your record. Once again, if you are participating in OASBO's 457 plan and you have not amended your plan documents since 2020, please do so immediately so that you are in compliance with the IRS. If you have questions about this, please feel free to reach out to your representative at Voya or Equitable. They can help guide you through the process or answer any specific questions. Otherwise, you're welcome to reach out to me, and I will try to guide you through the process. But once again, the draft resolution is available on the OASBO website for your downloading. Take that to your board. Get them to uh, approve the restatement of the OASBO 457 plan. You can also find that adoption agreement on our website file that resolution and a revised adoption agreement with OASBO and we will make sure that Equitable or VOIA gets the appropriate document for their records. Uh, Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Jim. For the rest of the episode, you're going to be hearing a portion of our So You Want to Be a School Treasurer seminar with speakers Ryan and Paul Pendleton, where they'll be discussing the interview process for school treasurer positions. You'll also hear Carmen Chen from OASBO interject with questions from the seminar's virtual attendees. Whether you're a veteran treasurer looking to freshen up for a new opportunity or looking to interview for your first ever treasurer position, this recording will be helpful for you. So let's take a listen.
2: All right. Um, My name is Ryan Pendleton, uh, previously introduced. I am the treasurer chief financial officer for Akron Public Schools. Been there for about eight years, and prior to that, uh, just under 10 years at Barberton. So, 18th year. But um, my story before that, I think, is more relevant to you. So, after college, I worked uh, for a financial advisory firm, and I was an economist for them. I trained on international stocks, I was really interested in the financial marketplace. Mom and dad were both lifelong educators. And I didn't have any interest in that pathway, zero. Uh, And then long came uh, September 11th, which forever changed, uh, if you're familiar with that market, how folks invest and the number of firms providing. And many of the firms in Cleveland uh, seemingly dried up overnight. And I found myself without work. And at the time I was thinking, Chicago, New York, all my colleagues that I was working with were moving to other firms. What do you want to do? And I remember the conversation with dad. Uh, he said, you know, there's, there's this financial position in a school district. It's a pretty serious leadership position. You should take a look at it. And so I found myself without work at the time and immediately got hooked because I placed five phone calls to five different treasurers in different typology of school districts, so urban, urban, ESC, somebody with a building project. Every one of the five said, sure, come get ours with us. And that's, that's how I got hooked. So I found myself within six months, uh, an assistant treasurer position, and within the following six months, an open treasurer position, and that's where I started my career at Barberton. And I've been an urban guy ever since. Uh, fallen in love with the urban scenario, uh, tracking resources to kids who need it the most is what I'm really passionate about. But from those very early days and after, what, 1999, right around that same time, Dad established Finding Leaders. So I got to tag along to some of the searches. And I remember the first search, uh, I don't know if you remember that, Dad, was Delaware. Uh, I remember uh, participating, and because I had grown up uh, in that scenario, sitting in the back of a boardroom after a sporting event in Mount Gilead and Galleon, we have a few folks from Galleon here. I was trained for this and felt really comfortable uh, in this setting. So I just wanted you to know those of you who are coming from maybe more of a non traditional background, this pathway with OASBO, uh, we sat with with Jim Rowan some years ago, more than five years ago, and said, the pipeline for treasures is terrible. We need to make an investment here, and this is how this day got started. So how do I do this? A little bit more about me. So I have consulting days built into my contract. It's really important with me as Chris mentioned, how to establish a relationship with the board, I own it all the way up front. I said, it's so important to me that I do this, that I'll take this in lieu of some compensation, that I get some release days to work with that, to network with other treasures. So I'm not here as the Akron Public Schools treasurer in very few consulting days do I take, or I take a full day dedicated just to that, because I am so uh, dedicated to building you and those folks online in this pathway. Uh, I think Dad would still tell you the treasure search is the most difficult position to fill in K-12 right now. Would you agree, Dad? Okay. So how critical, that leads us to that point there. How critical is this decision? I just talked to somebody in the room that mentioned a search in Northeastern Ohio. They basically had two qualified applicants. It's a mid six figures job at a suburban district. They had two qualified candidates. It's a 50 plus million dollar budget. It's 4,000 plus kids, two qualified applicants. So you're entering a time in the profession where we are building the pipeline. So in, in a sense, I guess you could be competition for each other, but the numbers are still in your favor. right? It's still a great time to get into the profession and the wraparound supports uh, as representative of what we're here in today in this, this building is designed for your success. And we talked, um, we talked a lot about how difficult it is. In the last five plus years, K-12 and their part of the presentation really talks about that chief communicator. And whether you're at, uh, I think the average size school district in the state of Ohio, there's over 609 of us. Uh, The average size school district is about 2,400 kids. You're still the chief communicator. Now as the numbers get smaller, you might be doing some more of the business services uh, because they probably can't afford the business manager position. So you have more hands on, but you're still the chief communicator, right? And in uh, Barberton, it was not uncommon for me to get a phone call from a board member every day and talk about the pothole in front of one of the school buildings. Like that somehow was my responsibility. But hey, I was I was gonna find the connection for that board member because they felt comfortable and partner with the superintendent to do that. The job has evolved. The job has evolved just in the short time that I've been in the profession. Um, All of the technical supports are there. OASBO has a a deep and rich support mechanism for you for the first five years. And then it's really kind of transitions to leadership. Um, And so the technical supports are there, but that monitor district progress point is becoming the next level of our professional development as an industry. So let, let let me pause there and either collect questions or get your input on this. It's about um, academic return on investment. It's about the infusion of federal funds. It's about targeted investments in more sophisticated manners than just a zero-based budget, or you get what you got last year plus 3%. It is targeted because the legislature and your communities are demanding accountability. They're demanding progress and outcomes. And I've never seen it like I have uh, up until the last few years. It seems to be, you've probably seen it in your own boards. Boards are becoming more technically capable. They're becoming more sophisticated. Their professional development is encouraging their interaction. And a lot of, uh, some of us that have been around for a while say, well, this is just micromanagement but it's here to stay. So I think the treasurer, now chief financial and chief communicating officer, monitoring district progress, that partnership with the superintendent is becoming so important. So the sophisticated delivery of those inputs and what the results are.
3: Um, Someone online just said that they would love to hear your outlook as a new treasurer in the early stages of your career in moving from economics, economics Economist to assistant treasurer for six months to treasurer. I um, feel it'd be very interesting to get your take.
2: So Phil and Matthew need to connect with each other and help drive and create that cohort, but you should expand it. I, I told the story of calling five treasurers and all five said yes. I still talk to all five of them. Uh, one of them is Dan Wilson, who now works with Finding Leaders. And Dan at this point, uh, 45 plus, almost 50 years, if he's online listening, he'll correct me, almost 50 years, we'll still call and say, hey, how did you do this? And what I love about the profession is the support that we get from each other, that nothing is taboo. Uh, Kim and Jim showed the Collaborate website, much more sophisticated than what we had 15, 20 years ago. But the doc library and all that's available the first time that you go through the budget or the tax budget or the appropriations process, it's really overwhelming. And so, always asking for help is the number one piece of advice I would give. And you call me, you call OASBO, you call your neighboring colleague that's been in place for ten or fifteen years, and we wrap around and support each other. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that answers the the chat point that first year it's tough. It's really tough. Um, And the demands of the job are greater than they have ever been. With the infusion of federal funds and the accountability component and making sure that we deliver, it's tough. Um, And you will need that support to survive. But after that first year, after that first year, it gets better. It's a little bit more routine the calendar that's posted on our websites about here are the major responsibilities that you have uh, and the mentorship program and the finding leaders support. You're hearing about all those supports they are designed to make you and the board successful. The last bullet point I'll touch on a little bit, it's it's your continuous improvement. Uh, OASBO, I think back in 2014, 15, and a lot of our members got together and we invested heavily in what was called then Otes. And for those of you, I think, from the classroom, I remember one of the conversations over here. You know what Otes is. Ours is just a little bit, but it's the Ohio Treasurer Evaluation System. And it has five major components of the skill sets of the job. And if you haven't done it in research as your track to become a chief financial officer treasurer, download it. Just Google it. OTES Ohio Treasure Valuation System. It's got some of our members. Were you a part of that? I think you were a part of that, Cindy. That redesign, and that's a great outline of the leadership and technical requirements of the position. It's really high level, but it's a great way and an outline uh, to look at that. So I'd improve. I'd encourage you to take a look at that. All right, the basics of the presentation. I think we're on time here. Starts with the profile. So I know there's some overlap between K-12 and finding leaders in this regard, but I do think it's important for you to pick up all the available nuggets to you as you're trying to put your best foot forward in what the board may look for. That profile and why is the profile important to you? That's the secret ingredient for playing matchmaker with the board. And that process starts with the very first day that we sit with the Board of Education reviewing the opening. They select K-12, they select us or another search firm. It begins from the, It's a partnership that begins from that very first uh, date, so to speak. And we're learning about what, what great things are going on in the district, what stretches are happening in the district, what major issues might be facing them. And we take copious notes. And then we ask some more targeted questions. What kind of support mechanisms do you have in place? What are the contractual outlines for the treasurer or superintendent? And what that helps us do is build this profile that we later come back to the board and in a sense, have them approve. And in a little bit more detail about, so what I'll do uh, once we secure that position with the board, I'll go spend time with, board members, I'll go spend time with internal staff, leadership, superintendent, collecting all of that necessary information for that quality profile. That quality profile is a value statement, sits right next to the board member during the entire process. And I like to refer to it as holding each other accountable. Because sometimes you've heard the phrase of you chase the shiny penny. Sometimes, somebody may be a great treasurer someday, but what if they don't fit the profile that we set? What if they don't fit the profile for what the district's needing? Ultimately that may uh, lead to some turnover in the district. So it creates that roadmap. It talks about the winning qualities and characteristics. It keeps the board and search firm uh, focused throughout and it provides a launch pad. Dad mentioned, I don't know if you wanna come back up to participate here, but Dad mentioned that at Finding Leaders, we don't finish the position, walk away. We partner with that district treasurer, not as intensive as the OASBO mentoring program, but we make regular contact with them to make sure they're referring back to that profile. Let me give you one more example about how important this is. When I was at Barberton, There was only one other job that I applied for, and that was Akron. Chris Moore, the previous executive director director of OASBO, David Varda, members of now Finding Leaders, wasn't a part of Finding Leaders, uh, Dan Wilson, and uh, Chris did the search at Akron. It was a big job in Ohio. So they partnered on it. Do you know what I still have eight years later, I still carry around with me for this example and to refer what the board needed because that quality profile was printed out for the board. And it was my launch to my evaluation, my goal setting process. And I went back to the board a year later and said, you know, because you have the honeymoon period, right? But then after the honeymoon period wears off, things, right, they, they heat up a little bit. And I said, but this is what you want. You said you wanted this. And they're like, well, we love this document. Can you turn this into the finance office strategic plan? and we build on
3: it? I might add to that, Ryan, as a part of this profile, we asked the Board of Education at our first checklist meeting to develop the components of the contract. Am I getting ahead of you? No, To perfect. develop the perfect components time. of the contract. For so going back to Linking Heights, we we met last night, um, We are two and a half or three months into this search. And at each meeting with the board, we review the components of the contract. So we know that it's going to be a three-year initial contract. We know the salary range within $20,000. We know the pickup, we know uh, Medicare, we know how much they will spend on um, insurances. We know every facet and every component of the contract, which we share with each candidate. When they get to the final two candidates, that um, those components are again shared with the final two candidates, and we require them to answer the question that if the job is offered, you will accept it with some possible little negotiations. So we know that salary range is, is within $20,000. And we can eliminate those who are making over that $20,000. Um, and so when that final phone call is made at 10 or 11 o'clock on the last night of interviews, um, the, that contract will be negotiated at that point, And the person will be hired within three business days Following that meeting. That is all part of the initial development of this profile and how we really stick to those qualities and characteristics.
2: Perfect timing. Um, and so we're giving you the insight into our relationship with the board, which maybe your perspective coming today, or at least looking at the agenda, was well, tell me more about the interview process. We're actually telling you all the ways in which you can prepare for the interview. So, you know, from both search companies and we work for the board, but you can ask us the questions that you may not be able to ask the employer. Of course, that they're hiring us, we're the point people. So you ask the related questions to the timelines, to the contract provisions, to the qualities and characteristics. What struggles might they be facing? Are they in negotiations? Do they have a building project? You're going to go for a huge bond issue. You might have the relevant experience, a couple of business folks in here about construction. You want to highlight that in your application process. Back here, Board of Education Due Diligence. And I'll ask Dad for you to partner on this, this one too. This is really interesting and has grown as a part of our search process. But one of the values we think that we bring to the search process is our due diligence uh, practices. One, you heard from both of the consultants that we have really deep benches with practitioners. So that that helps us get connected to you, uh, helps us match with the profile. But this is a, a really interesting part about one of the early values Dad hit on is the engagement process in setting up the next candidate for success. And we include the board in this due diligence. And I don't know if you wanna come up and talk about, I think it's better from you, I have my own perspectives, but.
3: Well, let's share perspectives. Um, We have a responsibility to do our due diligence. So we do social media scans, we do networking we may call an esc superintendent in your area but that's not the re, that's the responsibility ultimately of the board of education we usually set aside seven full days for them to do their own due diligence we give them a one page outline of what we suggest they do we suggest in addition to other things they call your references but they also call people who you do not identify as references. So they may be calling ESC superintendents, uh, they may be calling ESC treasurers, they may be calling treasurers from your area. Then we ask them to visit you at your work site for two board members to come talk to you in your office. And we ask them to Take a tour of your office, walk around with you, and the purpose of that is to see how you interact with people in your office. Then take you out to lunch and spend a good hour just talking about things to see if the relationship is good, to see if the fit is good, to see if they like you and you like them. And then there are other components that we ask them to do. We ask them to do a professional media scan or if they have someone on staff who can do a deep dive media scan. For example, we did a media scan of two of candidates yesterday and found out some things about them that might not have been previously known. So that's very, very important for us to do our part with due diligence, but the board's responsibility
4: is greater than ours.
2: The last bullet point I'd like to highlight a little bit more. Um, Of course, we have a list of questions that we do for first and second round. We partner with the board to craft those, to align them to the profile. But that last bullet point, in what areas might he or she need particular support to be successful? So you all know that's the dreaded question. Be prepared for it. The dreaded question of, tell me what three of your strengths are, right? You know what's coming next. So be prepared for that answer. Embrace it. If you don't have construction experience, don't stop at saying, I don't have construction experience. And you're ready for the next question, you pause, and then search consultants, we put our head down and do this. Be prepared, say, I don't, have construction experience, but let me tell you what related experience I have. Uh, in My previous position in private industry, I did this. I also researched higher advice Code. Uh, I reached out because I know in looking at your board minutes and on your website, I know you have a strategic plan. And in the strategic plan, it says you wanna build buildings in the next two or three years. So I reviewed that. Well, then I contacted a a local bond attorney to understand more about the process. And here's what I understand about you and your process. I'm absolutely confident that I can navigate this with you with the following supports. Much different answer than saying, I don't know and I don't have the experience. So I I think that that bullet needs to get some extra attention.
3: I might add to that, Ryan. One of the questions we suggest the board ask um, prospective treasurers is: Let me let me precede that. Make sure you know everything about that district. You have to go into that interview knowing more than the board know. You have to know financially. You have to know the five-year forecast. You have to know the assumptions. You have to know negotiations, you have to know, you have to know more than they do, because one of the questions we suggest they ask is, what do you think the three most important burning financial issues are of this district? And what would you do about it? We expect you to know from your research what those three burning
4: issues are about that district. So you can't know enough going into that interview. And
2: you can know more than the board. You might not be able to know more about their community, but you can know more about the technicals, the financials, the requirements, the federal grants, and all of that information is available through public domain. All of that information. Hold a CAFR if they have one. Hold the audits if you have one. Send an email to the state auditor's office asking for management letter comments make phone calls into the district, do your research, and integrate that research throughout your questions. Give you a little bit more of the background of leading up to the final selection. Dad talked a little bit about looking heights in superintendent search process, very similar to treasure. Uh, however, the, the difference, if you didn't hear it, uh, I think I said it three times, two candidates at a Northeastern Ohio Finalist job, two, two qualified candidates. And it's not uncommon for treasure searches right now that we might get a list of five to 10 applicants when we get through the screening. We're bringing a couple. I don't know if that's what it's like in central and southern Ohio, but uh, that's not uncommon. In the last couple of years, I did have one job that had one applicant. So we're going to narrow that. ultimately knowing that we're gonna ground the board in the qualities and characteristics in that profile. Um, and we're gonna test the board throughout that process to make sure they stay true to it. We've talked about narrowing down the field. Here's some observations, some obvious. Did you dress the part? Every board, that I've ever worked for, worked with, and it's quite a few and you can jump in. They think they are the destination. They are the, of the 609 districts in Ohio, their district is the number one district. Every board thinks that. So the little things go a long way. District colors, wearing district colors doing that research, identifying with athletics or co-curriculars, extracurriculars, identifying with anything that you may have a connection to in genuine fashion uh, to that district. How well did you research? We can't underscore that enough. That research is really important. We have many candidates that come to first round interviews And as much as we are kicking the tires with you, you're kicking the tires with the district, but please don't come to a first round interview and not have done research on the district. It shows in your answers. We've had candidates say, how many kids do you have in this district? you just kind of put your head down and cross off. It's all public domain make sure you do your research before you even step foot in that district. Communicated well, uh, that's where I'd encourage you to partner with a colleague to practice. Practice interview questions, role play, stand in front of a mirror, whatever you do, uh, role play those answers in a conversational way. And then we always give a candidate a closing statement. Uh, and let me, let me talk about uh, another observation with the closing statement. Uh, we have a certificated educator here. Every certificated educator has a portfolio. It's commonplace in Ohio. In Ohio, we're one of about five states that have a treasurer chief financial officer report directly to a board. We're certificated. Through a very similar process in Ohio, and we have to maintain a five-year license. The majority of folks that we see, I would say 75% or more, don't bring any materials to an interview. I think that's a lost opportunity, whether it's a portfolio, whether it's sample communications, sample spreadsheets, what projects you've worked on. Now, we're not asking you to take over the interview at all. But in your closing statement is a perfect opportunity to say, uh, thank you uh, for inviting me to interviews today. Thank you for your time. I really wish you well. We had 45 minutes together. It's not a great opportunity for you to get to know me and me to get to know you. So I've put together the following materials so you can learn a little bit more about. And included in my materials are some sample work how I communicate, and the last project that I worked on that I was really proud of, and I want to leave that with That's a game changer, and uh, I know OASBO and this seminar, we're working on that and the portfolio aspect of it, and there's some samples out there. I think we even uh, dropped some of that on the OASBO doc library at one point in time, so hopefully it's it's still there.
4: Here's some more observations.
2: You see research, um, your management style, and I think your management style will be very important to identify the kind, type, typology of district, the size, what internal supports they have. Do they have a business manager? Do they not have a business manager? Do they have an HR director? And if they don't have those two positions, you might wanna prepare some answers because in most circumstances, the treasurer, superintendent, and maybe an assistant superintendent are going to be sharing those responsibilities. And so I looked at your organizational chart. Uh, uh, you're, you're pretty thin, pretty lean. So uh, I'm assuming between these three positions, uh, I would be supporting some HR functions. I would be supporting some business operation functions, might be running the workers' compensation program, doing some grants uh, in that regard. So again, it's all heavily based on um, research. And then your answers should be a blend of telling the board more about you combined with what research that you've done. And again, I think think K-12, Cindy did a nice job if you don't know the answer, don't stop at not knowing the answer. Provide relevant experience or what research that you've done to compensate for it and how you're gonna partner and be a resource for them. I, I think I often say the treasurer's position is an inch deep and a mile wide at times. And sometimes you go a mile deep on the that technical. It is, that's the thing that I love about it the most. So we get to stand up here, go through professional development, you're gonna go through an hour PD, and then you get to go back and you get to study self-insurance on workers' compensation and deep dive. That's what's so special, I think, about our profession. We're wrapping up here on Board of Education due diligence, the deliberation, the offer, the negotiations. I'll give you some insight on those last two
4: the offer and the negotiations.
2: If you've been invited to a second round interview, whether you're asked specifically or not, you need to be in the position to accept an offer. We will confirm that at Finding Leaders. We will say to you and the board, we've invited so-and-so back for a second round interview. We've asked them if the components of the contract and the final interview are acceptable, and you're offered the position. Will you accept? I mean, we're that clear. puts a lot of pressure on you to do your research. But we've had candidates where we've done that in the second round, and they say, uh, "I need. Um, can you give me a couple days?" And we say, "No. We asked you. We reported to the board. If you are ready." If the components of the contract were acceptable, will you accept? So we sometimes, I remember the last few treasure searches that we've done, boards go, wow, that's that's pretty harsh. Like, no. If they're coming back to a second round interview, they will be prepared to accept an offer. Um, Especially with the candidate pool, the way it is. So have your have your number in mind have your contractual walk away points in mind but here's the thing if we've done our job there shouldn't be any surprises so if you know the salary range and you know you fit within that range and you ask ask for five or ten thousand dollars above that range the night of the interview it's probably not going to work same thing goes with the board if the board says this is an assistant treasurer coming from a smaller district Ryan, they're going to get a $30,000 pay increase. And we're going to say, absolutely, they will. Because your position demands that it pays this range. And if you offer it, which we're not recommending, you do that against our recommendation, you're going to set them up because they'll take the job for a lower amount. And because of the pool of applicants, within two years, we will place them in another job. And we won't recruit them they will come to us because they know they can go get another $20,000. So we hold the board to the line, but you should also participate in that posted range. All of which must happen in three days. This is probably more of a, a push for boards, but you should be aware of it because of the candidate pool, because some of you might be sitting in jobs already or even then, the demand for these positions is outrageous. And so boards, almost about half the boards or so immediately react and they say, what is it going to take? And so we want to work with the board to wrap up this candidate, wrap you up immediately within three days. Special board meeting, announce, bring community partners in and wrap around you from day one to begin that support.
0: That wraps up this episode of the OASBO podcast. We hope you'll tune in for the next episode and subscribe so that you get episodes as soon as they come out. We're on all of your favorite podcast platforms, or you can check us out on the Collaborate resource library. Until next time, connect with us on Collaborate, which is OASBO's online community at collaborate.oasbo-ohio.org.